What is up, everybody? Welcome to the uh, Drunk Turkey Show. I'm your host, Daniel J. Alongside with me is uh, my other than Jaime. How's it going, my man? It's is going it, good. Go? Uh, am I too low? That sounds good to me, man. Oh, ah, okay, okay. I'll make sure. I want to make sure. It sounds good. So, I'm... How, how you been, man? How, how was your week? Hot, man. Super duper hot. <laughs> I can imagine, dude. I can imagine. I um, it, it's been hot here too, man. Um, you know, it's been one of those scorchers. But I think there's a cold front in the in the in the in the works. It might drop like two degrees in the next couple of days. Oh man, <laughs> bring out the sweaters. <laughs> you know it, dude. Uh, but so today, what we're gonna be doing is um, we're gonna be just kind of taking your comments and questions. Uh, referencing the uh, Koberger case, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk briefly on the um, on the new documents. We talked about it last night. Here it is mm-hmm. um, with Jules of all trade. Koberger's alibi. It's out. Um, what are your thoughts? Not uh, much of one. I'll tell you that. That's true. That's true. So he, he's claiming that he was by himself asleep. I mean, not asleep, by himself driving around. And um, he was sleep driving. Go, yeah, he was going to sleep driving. That he was by himself driving around. Sorry about that, yo. And that he uh, he goes on long drives occasionally. Hmm. Yeah, no, no. That doesn't, um, that doesn't um, seem good enough. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it no, took forever for that to show up on the, on the screen. Oh no, nah, man! It's a new thing, and um, I hadn't even shared the screen, so I, I just okay. figured out how to to re-edit our alignment. So I, I put this a new a new alignment. I think you're, I hope you like it. Uh, yeah, man. So apparently he was driving around. Says he drives around often by himself. Um, but what does it what does this tell us, right? So if he's claiming that he didn't do this, right? Mm-hmm. What, what do we know about this? We know that by him saying he's out driving around, that that his car's out there in the white Elantra, so he's not lending his car to anybody. Um, his phone pings when his phone does come back on are accurate, mm-hmm. and that was him driving around. Do you think he's going to, you know, where do you think he's going to tell people he was at when he was driving around? He's going to say that he lent his car and his phone to someone. No, nah, no way, man. He already said that he was by himself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like so, like he pretty much, um, um, you know, all the all the pings and everything mm-hmm. that that they have on him, you know, from his cell phone. He pretty much, you know, that's pretty much true. Then, if he's saying that, right now, what do you think his explanation is going to be for him not having? His um, his phone on at the time. And if you guys have a, a question or a comment for us that you want us to discuss, if you think that you have something that, um, you know, a reason why Koberger didn't do it, uh, put a couple of asterisks in your comment in the live chat. That way it'll pop out to us. We know that you're, you know, referring to us versus um, just, you know, yeah, just throwing it all out there. Yeah, exactly. Versus, you know, you guys talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And so, um as I was saying, you know, what, what, 
what kind of explanation do you think can be done? Let's try to give him the benefit of the doubt, right? And let's just say that um, he's right. He, he didn't commit this crime. What, what are some justifications uh, that you can think of for the phone turning off at 2.40 something in the morning in Pullman and then turning back on, you know, near Blaine, Idaho, south of Moscow? Oh, it's probably uh, that his phone ran out of battery. Um, I was charging it using the car charger, and then when he got enough charge, he turned it on later on. I mean, that could be one, right? I mean, that's three hours to wait. It's a, it's a, a slow hours? charger. It wasn't a fast charger. It was a slow charger. <laughs> he, had a, he had the solar panel. It was at night <laughs> trying to get with the moon. That's why it took three hours. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, it was, well, maybe not three hours. It was almost, what, it was 2.40-something. Yeah. And, and it was 4.48 when his when his phone came back on. And then he didn't get home until, until 5.30-ish in the morning, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why it was taking so long. You're, you're right. You're absolutely right. It could have been that. Um, but highly, highly unlikely. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Do you, do you think that he could say maybe perhaps he lost service? I mean, yes, he can. But, I mean, I'm not really sure how the service is out there, you know, uh, especially mm-hmm. with different um, companies, right? Right. I mean, who knows? He probably I mean, has Boost Mobile. I don't know. So the problem with that theory is, for me, is his phone would have turned off while he was, you know, around over here on Stadium Way, which we still don't know why he was out here. We'll try to figure it out. Uh, I think you see a lot of these WSU buildings in this area. Honestly, I think he probably had an office around here. Maybe perhaps he had a room or or somewhere where he was um, conducting his the planning of this event. You know, I think he went and gone and picked it up. But his phone goes off somewhere around here as he's leaving Pullman. Mm-hmm. Right? And and then it comes back on, you know, south of Idaho. Now, I'm not sure how he would have gotten here, you know, and going south of Moscow, traveling south, without mm-hmm. having to gone through Moscow. Right? And yeah. so... We are to believe then that his phone would have turned off in a city where it's most likely not to drop, be off through another city where it's mm-hmm. most likely to be on, and then comes back onto the network in a rural area where it's most likely to not be connected. Am I understanding that correctly? That's that's what we're expected to believe? Yeah. Yes, sir. That doesn't make any sense. None. And so uh, that, that is all calculated. Yeah. Seems all calculated to me. Now he's probably going to say something like, "Well, maybe it was purposeful." You know, as I left Pullman, I, um, you know, just turned my phone off, and just because I don't like to get spam phone calls between two o'clock in the morning and five in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I don't, I don't, I don't think <laughs> I get spam calls, but I don't think I ever get them past nine. But maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe he doesn't want those or or he doesn't want Amber alerts going off on his phone or something. I don't know. So he turns his phone off so he can enjoy the ride. And um, he gets lost because he doesn't have GPS. He ends up uh, driving around for a few hours aimlessly until he decides to turn his phone on because he's not from the area. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens to be after the incident. And that's where, you know, um, he was at. And, well, he ended up um, he ended up figuring out that although he was 10 miles south of Moscow and it would have been probably quicker to just do a U-turn, go back through Moscow and then head on to Pullman, he decided to still continue south. And do this hell of a long loop uh, through Johnson City and through um, all these other towns in Washington and, and Idaho and get back into Pullman. So even that doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Got one. All right. So Jupiter Mom says, or Jupiter Moon says, I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't you think he was there longer? I think he had another driver driving around. And it was longer, like at two a.m. So, if there was somebody else that was driving around, um, oh, he was there since two a.m. I don't think so because um, Kaylee's uh, phone she she called and text uh, Jack Gore, and so for something to have happened to them at two a.m. or for him to have been there since two a.m. or somebody to have been there since two a.m. That would have meant that either he was he or she whoever was there was either hiding until the crime was committed, mm-hmm. uh, and by the sounds of what we know from the audio next door, would have been at four o'clock anyways. Or he committed this crime, or somebody committed this crime earlier and was pretending to be the victims uh, throughout the entire night, and including receiving and ordering probably a DoorDash. I don't think that's likely. So I think that given the fact that we have video footage of a white vehicle uh, driving around in that area um, and that during the time where those noises can be heard on the ring audio, that white vehicle is not seen. Uh, But shortly after is when that white vehicle is seen traveling at a high rate of speed. And so I, I think that Regardless if you think that if it's Koberger or not, uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that the person that committed this crime committed this crime during that window based on the sounds and the vehicle driving around and the vehicle mysteriously not being seen during that time. Um, And I think we can safely say that the person operating that vehicle committed this crime. And I think we can also say that uh, nobody else was driving around due to the fact that while those noises were heard and those things were happening, uh, that vehicle wasn't seen leaving. And, you know, the probable cause affidavit, affidavit does mention that it is a one-way in, one-way out type of situation. And so uh, the fact that that vehicle isn't seen leaving until after the crime is suspected to have been committed uh, just all kind of narrows it down to that definitely being the time. Mm-hmm. So two o'clock, just I don't think that works. I agree, man. I agree. 
at the port it says do you think that the alibi makes it more or less likely he was framed i think it's less likely it's a good <laughs> question what do you think i'm gonna go with you first oh i didn't get to read it <laughs> It's that she's asked, do you think that the alibi makes it more or less likely that he was framed? Mm. I, I, you know, to be honest, man, it doesn't really matter what his alibi. I mean, the most damning thing is going to be the DNA, right? I mean, right. I, I, <clears throat> even though it's, you know, touch DNA. But, right, I, but think, I think that oh, I, think the alibi, I think the alibi would work if this is a, a habit he has that he does this all the time and that's what i'm thinking that he's you know that he has people witnesses that claim that he does this all the time you know what i mean right right i mean well his phone records would be an indication of that right if they he was doing this uh many a times i think there would be some sort of indication on his cell phone pings and things of that nature uh, for me i think it does make it less likely that there's a um you know, a frame going on. I think that if he were to have said that he was at home, you know, that maybe perhaps, but you know, now you have to add the fact that he was out and about to the equation. So mm -hmm. in order for this to have been a frame job, the police department or whoever framed him would have had to have had beforehand knowledge that Koberger goes on drives and that he was going to go on a drive that night and turn off his phone for that period of time. And during that period of time, yeah. You know, and 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 hit this house at the exact moment. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, for those things to be logical and make sense here, it, it's, it's it doesn't. I think it, you know, it makes it extremely less likely that he's framed, and I think that it also increases the likelihood of his of his guilt. In my opinion, you know, I, I've said it before that I was about seventy percent. Yeah, you know, now that we've seen this, I'm more about 85. Yeah, no, definitely. Know? I don't think it's gonna. I don't. That alibi is not gonna help mm -mm. at all. Mm -mm. You know. You know. Um, I like like. I was just. I was just like you at 60, 40. You know, I'm a little bit higher now. I'll tell you that 75. Yeah. You know? uh, but yeah. It, like at this point, I, I see a lot of you know, you know the timeline, the, the cell phone pings. The DNA and all that stuff is just adding up too much, and for him just to have an alibi of him just driving around at that specific time does not cut it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it doesn't. I mean, it, it it's almost as damning as putting himself there because he's basically saying that he was driving around, mm -hmm. and he's not indicating where. You know, which is a big red flag to me. You know, like I would have indicated, like, "Yo, man, I um, I took off." And I went like if it wasn't like if he was actually innocent, you know, I took off north and I drove through the city over here. Right. Well, there would be some sort of tangible evidence proving which direction he was coming from. They'd be able to pull up surveillances. And if he went through other towns, you know, during the time of this crime, there'd be evidence of that and say, hey, you know what? This guy was over here in Spokane at, you know, um, three fifty. All right, we have him driving through there, and and that's about an hour away from Moscow. So there's no way he could have gotten there in four, you know, by four oh four. But four forty eight, when he's seen, you know, a couple miles south of Moscow, that makes more sense. 
You know what I'm saying? And you can you can go back and check that out. The only thing that they're saying here as far as how they're going to be able to corroborate, you know, his alibi is that they're hoping during cross examination of one of the state's witnesses, so not even one of their own witnesses, one of the state's witnesses um, during that you know, cross examination that they're hoping that something comes out that proves Koberger was somewhere else, but they can't tell us which state witness it is or why. Mm-hmm. That's BS. <laughs> you know, and it, it and it's a tactic to throw in um, more reasonable doubt because when somebody sees that on its surface, they're going to read that, especially if they're already like kind of pro Koberger or that Koberger is innocent. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at that from the angle of saying one of the state's witnesses, you know, was related to Koberger in some way, whether it was a by relationship, you know, by, um, um, you know, friend relationship, something, and that they knew where he was at that night. And he wasn't there. And that's not necessarily what it's indicating. But they're using some fancy words and and terminology to kind of allude to that being the case. And uh, I I, I just see it as more mud thrown at the wall. And the more mud I see, it tells me that there's nothing tangible that says he didn't do this. Yeah. You know. Yeah, like them using lack of... DNA, you know, mm-hmm. this alibi. It's it's like, you know, just, just trying, like you said, trying to just make sure, not make sure, but like cast some reasonable doubt in there. You know what I mean? Because that's all it takes. It just yeah. takes one, right? Not 100%. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Miller Aaron comes in with a $50 super chat. Wow. Thank you, Miller. We appreciate that. Thank you, you are, you know, you help with you know, Thank you. It's you guys that help build this podcast up. I appreciate everybody that donates, whether it's through, um, you know, uh, memberships or super chats or our cash app. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. Uh, do you think it's possible that Dylan and Bethany may have taken a video of Koberger in the house or exiting? I think it would find uh, out some big stuff at trial. Thank you guys for being rational with this case. Thank you. Thank you. So what what are your thoughts? Do you think that there's a possibility that either Bill, Dylan or Bethany may have taken a video of Koberger in the house or exiting? I, I, don't, I don't think so. I think if if there's any video, it's going to be ring cam um, mm-hmm. from, you know, the you know neighboring houses. Um, maybe one of them picked up a little bit more or something. Someone entering the uh, that car or maybe a, a better a better uh, shot of the license plate or or something like that but i don't think either either uh beth uh, bethany or Dennis took uh any video especially because i think uh wasn't it dylan said that she was in like frozen state kind of in shock state right mm-hmm. so i don't i don't think that's gonna that's gonna be the case i think if we do find out anything it's gonna be more video more clear video from different cam uh ring cam do you think that the uh, DoorDash driver saw something? I want to say no. But with this gag order, man, anything's possible to tell you the truth. You know what I mean? We don't know all this speculation is because of this gag order. That's why it's so it's so much easier for the other case with Rex 
with they're so transparent, you know. I mean, not as you know, but they're more transparent than this case is. Right, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, and you know, to me, I think maybe they did. I have a feeling that the DoorDash driver may have uh, seen the white car. You know, it's just speculation, just my thoughts. You know, that white car was driving around so many times. Uh, in my opinion, I think that there's a good possibility that the, uh, um, I think there's a good possibility that there was a, a chance that this, you know, that, this, that the driver saw, yeah, Koberger passed by a couple, at least one time. Mm-hmm. It could be. I don't. I don't think he would have saw anything at the house, but maybe, like you said, maybe passing by, like you no, know, passing, passing each other could be. Right, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. T. Marie says that Daniel, the alibi statement of his, ha- he has a habit of driving around late at night and alone. Only makes me think of him watching and peeping out girls victims his alibi may have came back to haunt him in my opinion you know there's a good possibility of that you know when i was talking with jules last night on the show you know one thing i was you know she had questioned was you know why why these group of people why these girls right why why these victims and you know i think that there's a good possibility that there was maybe perhaps more than one you know and um he was stalking a few of them I, i don't know uh what are your thoughts as far as you know with everything that we know and which isn't much because the gag orders in place yeah. what do you think or what do you think is why brian Cooper chose these victims um i think he was kind of in the he had like an obsession maybe mm-hmm. what's the other word i'm looking for infatuation infatuation is that what it's called yeah 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 <clears throat> I think that would have been the case. I think, from what we know, and I, and it's pointed towards you know his guilt. And I just, it to me, it almost seems like if he wasn't caught, he would have done that again. You know, if he picked out these, or well, one person or two people from from this house, and he expected he wasn't expected to get caught. You know, I think he was might have been targeting other people yeah well i'm getting the feel for it i guess you could say there was the um there was the uh what do you call it um man i forgot what i was gonna say my bad what did you just say i'm sorry i got an email and i was reading it real quick are you uh well i was telling that he if he didn't get caught i feel like he would have done that again like he would have another right no, not victim, but another person he might have been uh, checking out. Well, he was, it's been suspected that he had broken into one of his, I guess, female co-workers house. And that it's maybe perhaps that's where the yeah, IDs came from. Uh, Shay comes in saying driving around with visual snow, allegedly. Uh, Shay and um, Melissa Jade are going to be on the show on Monday, y'all. So if you guys aren't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. What are you waiting for? We're going to get to 40K pretty soon. And when we do... Um, I know I had said 50k. I was gonna do the uh, the glasses off, but I'm actually gonna do it at 40k. Get it over and done with already. And um, so get us there. Help us get us to 40k. Like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, do the whole nine yards. But we're coming back on Monday with Shay and and Melissa Jade. And so the, the but, visual snow uh, is that 
usually is it in both eyes or is it just one or how's that work or is it could be either or i don't know man um i know i know one person that has it mm-hmm. and they had described it as both eyes but i don't know if that's something that's across the board oh okay you know, if that's everybody or is it just this one person, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Patty goes, Daniel, you're going to have the same opinion no matter which direction the evidence goes based solely on his arrest. That's not entirely true. I think there was a big part of the time during this case where I was uh, leaning the other direction. You know, it was as more information came out and as I had an opportunity to go through the probable cause affidavit, understand affidavit, understand what the cast stuff was. Cause I had no idea what that stuff was. Um, you know, I, I think that's new technology. Uh, but you know, the casting and then also going through this probable cause affidavit that was like 19 pages long mm-hmm. and it was very oddly written. In my opinion, it wasn't written in chronological order. There was things in there that I didn't understand why they were there to begin with. And I get it now why almost everything is in there. It's just they do a they do a really crappy way of explaining why it's in there. Uh, Into the Woods says it's in both eyes. It's a neurological problem, not an eye problem. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I wonder how does it like it, does it get worse with time? I'm guessing. Right. Right. I, I don't know, man. You know, I, I, I don't. I don't know. That's a good question to ask. Uh, once upon a crime time. That's a good name. <laughs> once upon a crime time. Yeah. Uh, the alibi act. <laughs> the alibi actually is in the PCA. I guess Daniel, I would have to know your explanation if the second DNA on the sheets. I don't think there's a second DNA on the sheets. I think that the uh, uh, information that the defense stated was that there was two other unidentified um, DNA profiles as of December seventeenth. Uh, where the bodies were located, not necessarily on the sheath. It doesn't say it wasn't on the sheath, so I, I don't know, you know. But if it was, that'd be kind of hard to explain. Yeah, uh, definitely. Miller Aaron coming in with another thirty dollars super chat. Have you guys heard anything more about the eleven uh, eleven twelve King Road footage? Another creator says it was supposedly released soon, and it's very telling. All right, so I do know quite a bit about that actually. Um, the person who had put that video out there or that picture, I'm sorry, I had, had reached out to me and I've had a lot of people reach out to me about it. Uh, from my understanding was there was a narrative that was going around when it had to do with the Linda Lane footage. And this narrative was that there was something that happened before 2 a.m., like around 1.30 or something like that, mm-hmm. which makes no sense because... At 1.30, there's video footage of, the, of <clears throat> you know, Kaylee and Ma- and Maddie at, at the grub truck. And, you know, they don't get home till almost 2 o'clock. So none of that theory makes sense. But, uh, you know, somebody had released that footage. Apparently, from my understanding, that screenshot did come from um, Steve Gonzalez. Now, he didn't send it to me, so I don't know 100% sure. But that's from my understanding is that that screenshot was was from Steve to a creator uh, to debunk the Linda Lane footage that had something there at one. Basically, what they were saying was, is 
there's noises heard on the Linda Lane footage, but the family has footage from 1112. And those noises aren't heard on that footage. So they believe that either it was doctored or that noise is coming from somewhere else, not related from the house, further away in the opposite direction, possibly. Um, and so <clears throat> that's what I am aware of when it comes to to that information that Steve did, in fact, send that back to um, that creator. And. Um, right. And that creator. Sorry about that. I got a message. Uh, that that creator, long story short, that creator ended up going out and saying that she was working with Steve and uh, perhaps maybe overstepped her boundary and said that more of that video was coming out. But from my understanding, not at all. Uh, it was only used to say, hey, we have this footage that's closer to the house and none of those things are happening at one o'clock. So um, that's my understanding of it. Uh, Anything else is pretty much, I, I don't know. But when it comes to a lot of the stuff that's come out, whether it was that or Dot, you know, we'd heard about Dot a while ago, you know, from the same source. You know, they had told us that there was somebody in the area that said that they saw someone or, or a group of people outside of the house at 830 in the morning. But, you know, it's just a story, you know, and, and to me, that's what I thought it was kind of like when we got we had gotten information that um, before the probable cause affidavit came out, we had gotten sent like 4chan and Twitter stuff saying that, you know, one of the victims saw the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, the masked perpetrator in the house. Yeah. Everybody and, and we didn't buy it. And so we didn't talk about it. Yeah. I'll say this. We didn't buy Dodd's store either. So we didn't talk about it, <laughs> yep. you know, and it's also the fact that there was no way to verify any of those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, for, well, at least at that time, yeah. Yeah. And now that there was, you know, a probable cause affidavit that states that there was a masked man, you know, we probably should go back and follow up uh, into a lot more of what that individual person was saying on Reddit because it ended up being true. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah I, mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fall anything or, or think that anything more is coming out of that screenshot. Uh, from my knowledge, it's not. You know, sometimes Reddit does have it right. What was that? I said sometimes Reddit does have it right. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, that's exactly what we said. I was like, well, shit, man. Uh, I guess <laughs> I guess we we got we were wrong on that one. Right. We were wrong on that one. Oh, nice. Thank you, Diane G. Thank you, thank uh, you. Sixty-three for your ninety-nine cent super chat. We appreciate that. Let's see. Wasn't he the DD employee? No, there. I think that's been debunked as well. He, he was not. He was not. Terry Blue asked, "Why did they take a pizza cutter from his apartment? Because it had a red a red stain on it." <laughs> they took a lot of stuff that that as long as it has some sort of stain that like you know looked like blood or like you no know, uh, old blood or whatever they, they were gonna take it and test it out. I'm guessing right. Right. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, exactly. They were testing out everything and, and checking everything across the board. And it had a red stain. So, I mean, I get it. You know, I, I you know, a lot of people are going to look at that and say, oh, they took a pizza cutter 
you know, if they're taking a pizza cutter, that must mean that, you know, there must have not been anything there. And we'll come to find out there really wasn't. But um, I think that even if there was things that were there, like let's just say they found, you know, evidence of you know, blood on uh, and down the drain in the bathtub or or evidence of, of blood, you know, somewhere else in the house. Thank you, um, Bernadette Thomas. We appreciate that. You, you know, I think they still would have picked up the pizza cutter regardless, even if there was more evidence there just because it had a red stain and to do mm-hmm. the due diligence. I mean, is it possible that, you know, he um, when he got home, he had blood still in his hands and he opened up the drawer where the pizza cutter was at. The journal. <laughs> maybe he didn't grab the pizza cutter, but maybe he grabbed something else, maybe mm-hmm. another knife and, you know, got blood on it in, in that process. Thank you, thank you for putting out the uh, uh, Steelers fan for putting out our merch. If you guys are interested in t-shirts, things of that nature, go check out bonfire.com slash store slash drunk turkey show uh, yeah. for, for that merch. I got a corn shirt on. Elote. <laughs> Dude. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let's see. Um, Shirley Arnold says driver serves the college students in Moscow. Various people take turns being driver for the night. The driver probably saw BK many times, many nights. That's possible. You know, Enon Harsh, the neighbor, when he was on Truth and Transparency, uh, he mentioned seeing a white Elantra back there multiple times. And that the reason he knew it was an Elantra was, or was because his girlfriend or ex-girlfriend had a white Elantra and he thought she might be stalking him. So I think he has been seen in that area quite a few times. Let's see. Oh, someone right now. Let me see if I can find it. I don't know if you have one, but somebody wants to bet me a hundred dollars on what? <laughs> I got this one. Okay, here's a uh, far out idea. What if a disgruntled student of Brian set him up by using his or her criminology and knowledge that slap in the face uh, would hurt big time? I mean, they would have to know that Brian was going to be leaving town that night, you know, and turning off his phone during that specific time frame. I find that to be very difficult to do. Unless they were stalking him and, you know, keeping tabs on everything he was doing. But if you're keeping tabs on him, how are you keeping tabs on the victims? (laughs) No, but even that, yeah, exactly. Like, even that, like, how would they know that uh, they were going to be there at a certain time? And, you know that because um, she was coming back, right? She, because she was moving to Austin, right, for work. Kaylee, for yeah, 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 yeah. Kaylee was leaving. She was moving to Austin, so she just um, came back to to you know hang out and show the new car she had just purchased, right? Yeah, the day before. Yeah, so they wouldn't had to know that too. Well, do you think Koberger knew that? Um, well, I mean, like I said before, <clears throat> he could. They could have posted it up on you no know, social media. You know? Right. You could have saw that. Even though they're not uh like I guess friends on Instagram or whatever social media they are they have, you can still see something, you know, some stories, I guess you could say. Yeah. So you think that oh thank you, uh Gina. We appreciate that. Um do you think that there's a um but don't you think that would be a connection? And according to Brian Koberger's attorney, there is no connection. 
I mean, it doesn't have to be a connection just to see other people's profiles, is it? I mean, to be following them, I think, is a connection. I mean, you can follow them, but I don't think you have to follow them just to search it up. Unless, you know what I mean? I mean, no, but, like, that's true because her profile, Kaylee's, that is, wasn't wasn't private during, you know, during that time. Because we were able to go on there and see see a lot of things. Yeah, then they privated, right? Yeah, exactly. Janet comes in with a $1.99 super chat, says, sliced four people up, then went home and had pizza. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the case. But, you know, I think that the police department are looking at it as maybe perhaps he grabbed another item in there and maybe he got, if he did have blood on his hand or something, it smeared off. You know what I'm saying? Let's see. Um yeah, the um, Idaho statement clear, or they didn't clear, but they had a newspaper that said law enforcement cleared the DoorDash driver. Um, I had one person claim that they knew the person that did the DoorDash and said that they saw white Elantra in them. I don't know how true it is. Well, unfortunately, you know, those Elantras are everywhere, man. That's the only bad part. Yeah. But the, only, the only difference was that his Elantra only had like the the rear license plate, right? Yeah, yeah. He didn't have a front license plate at the time. We have found out since that Pennsylvania doesn't even issue out two front license plates. So it's not even a situation where they don't, um, it's not required. Most people that are in Pennsylvania don't have it because they don't receive it. So, you know, what are the chances? You know what I mean? I mean, to somebody to, for somebody to frame covert, right? They would have had to have known his patterns that night, driving patterns. Mm-hmm. And, and not just his driving patterns, also have known that he was going to have his phone off during that time. Right? Yeah. Like, if he goes out driving at night alone, I mean, who, who would know that? Like, you think he's going around telling people, like, hey, you know, on, on Saturday nights, when I'm by myself, I just cruise. I cruise with my phone off through the countryside. I, I live. The dangerous life. I like. I love it. Exactly. Like. Like. I don't. I don't get it. Like, you know. It's. I go cruise in the in the darkness because it's dark as hell out there, without yeah. GPS, not knowing where the hell I'm going. <laughs> Especially because he's like you know somewhat new. You know. Right. Exactly. He's new to the area. Doesn't know the area, and there's not a lot of stoplights out there. There's not a lot of light pollution outside of those towns. Mm-hmm. So it's pitch black, dark out there you know what i mean and yeah. so it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense uh, j dubs comes in with a two dollar super chat saying clown burger is done like dinner <laughs> accept it <laughs> i agree i agree i think he's done um here it is here's your 100 bet on the 100 other bet if he gets off you owe me 100 if he's found guilty i owe 100 it's a tommy here deal all right i'll do that you heard it here you heard it here. <laughs> I don't mind. That's that's a good one. I could I could I could use a hundred dollars. You want to up it to two? Yeah. No, no, I'm telling you, let's up it to two. We'll up it to two. I'm very confident that they got their guy. This guy is backpedaling like crazy. Uh, the Richard comes <laughs> comes in with two dollars. Uh, you go ahead and read this, Hannah. Uh, and you know I'm not really good at reading stuff. 
That's just a uh, aloha, gents. Our theories may differ, though. You rock. Thank you. We appreciate that. We do appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you know, I was, I am, I'm open to the idea that there is a possibility that Koberger didn't commit this crime. I just, the more stuff comes out, the the harder it is for me to see that as a possibility. Mm-hmm. You know, like when it comes to me personally, and and I look at something like this, and I look at at a crime that, that that's committed. You know, and somebody tells me, hey, uh, what do you think about this person being the suspect or this person being the suspect? I, I I go through in my head, you know, what has to happen? And I usually do it backwards. Like, what has to happen for this person to have committed this crime? And when it, you know, and when it comes to a situation where I'm trying to figure out if this person maybe didn't do it or did do it, to me, the, the, the more wild the story gets, the less likely it's true. And so the story that has to be put in place for Koberger to be innocent is pretty damn wild. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's either somebody knew he was going to drive around and turn his phone off at that time and framed him, or it's just coincidence that his phone was off during that time while he was driving around. Yeah. That's a big one for me. You know, that's a big one. Thank you so much, um, uh, Miller Aaron, Aaron. We appreciate you. Ten dollars super chat. I wonder if the fifty-one terabytes include surveillance he had on the house. That's oh. so much digital evidence. You know, that's possible. I mean, yeah. I think lot. it's gonna. I think it's gonna depend, right? Like when he was doing it. So I think that some surveillance kind of like rolls over after a certain time, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know, I think maybe they'll be able to pull back maybe a week prior to maybe a few days, but I'm not sure if they're going to be able to pull back, you know, his entire time he was out there in, in Idaho. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm, I'm hoping if, if this was um uh, plan, I'm sure he had some kind of uh, digital trail. You know what I mean? They should. Well, have, I hope so. Here's the thing, though, like when it comes to Koberger, he he was trained in in that that forensic and technological aspect of um, investigating crimes. So he would know what law enforcement, you know, their techniques and their um, standard operation procedures and what they'd be looking for and things of that nature when it came to the uh, technical format. So either. And I think that. If there's evidence of things being wiped, you know, that's evidence of something being weird, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they were to go into his phone and say, hey, on November 14th, he wiped his phone. Like that's fuck. That's the, the coincidence there would be pretty freaking high, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? So he, I think he would have had to have known that. And, you know, you look at Rex Humerman, he had burner phones his entire time. And in my opinion, I think they caught him in a similar fashion. They use a genetic tree. Um, you know, they couldn't tie him back through his burner phone. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's a possibility that Koberger also had burner phones or, you know, a cheap laptop or something and was doing his planning on that. And I think that when you look at the probable cause affidavit and it states that he was in this one area for about nine minutes. I think there's a good possibility that in that area, 
he may have had his equipment hid or, or something. You know, I don't think he's he ever wanted to take that to his house. And I think he was probably using the Wi-Fi from that area. And, um, you know, I don't think he wanted to use the Wi-Fi for his home. And I think he went to go collect all his stuff. He knew this crime was going to happen that night and he took it with him. Um, and wherever he went after the fact, when those that time was missing, my personal opinion, I think he pre-planned a hole somewhere out there, went out there, dug a hole. And basically, uh, after the, uh, you know, after the incident, I think he drove out to this place, dumped the weapon and all of his, you know, planning utensils in this hole, put the dirt back in or whatever, or, or hit it somewhere. Yeah. And then took off. And then maybe the next day when he went missing for three hours, he went and disposed of it properly or something. I don't know, but I think that's where it's at right now. That's I what, mean, he, what I mean, he had, he had plenty of time to do all that. I'll tell you that. Oh yeah, he definitely does. He definitely does. Oh, let's see. I want to see some real quick. You were, you were mentioning last time that you were watching the documentary. Uh huh. Um, I think you, you said you were watching the like a BTK documentary, right? Yeah. And you asked me about a certain weapon he had left behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of folks were like, you know, why would he leave, or how is it possible that he's going to leave a knife sheath behind? Being so intelligent, uh, mm -hmm. BTK left something behind, right? Yeah, yeah. He left his um, left his um, pew pew. So, my my question is, was that on his first on his first run that he left I, it? I believe it wasn't the. Hmm. You know what? It might it might have been. I want to say it was his second one. Dude. I'm not really. Man, I'm not really sure, but I remember he left it behind and he came back and retrieved it. Right, and right. It's crazy, right? Because like you would think that's gonna be one of the main things you take back, especially if you used it, right? Exactly. Exactly. And he came back and retrieved it. Uh, I don't know how long between you know. He left and came back, but I know he left it behind, forgot about it, came back, picked it up, and because if he would have left it behind, it would have been game over. It would have been a lot of lives saved if that if he would have left that behind. Oh yeah, dude. Especially yeah. if it was like the second or third time, you know, committing the crime. Mm -hmm. You know, so what remind me, what did BTK do for a living? Uh, I know you're gonna cough Sorry. real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I believe he was a uh, uh, well. BTK used to. Um, it was like a security, uh, not security, uh, not security, but like he would set up security for like houses and stuff like that. And yeah. I also believe he was um, something with the, like a warden, like a like a game warden or something like that. I'm not really sure. I can't remember. Hmm. I'm yeah, I think it was like uh, I think it was like a. Yeah, like a house security, like putting up security systems. If I'm not, if I'm correct, I mean, I, honestly, um, BDK kind of was like my one of my first, uh, you know, SKs that I that I looked into, and I've looked into yeah. a lot, so it's kind of hard for me to remember <laughs> every single detail. Like even last time, I remember. Uh, it, we were talking about, um, I believe it was, uh, I said something about John Wayne Gacy 
And I was like, oh, yeah, I told um, Big Blue, yeah, I mean, he did, um, you know, bury his victims, 17 victims under his, you know, crawl space. And, and I was like, I went back and I looked at it. I was like, oh, it wasn't 17. It was 27. <laughs> oh, snap. You were off by a dozen. By, I, I was, mean, by 10. <laughs> I was off by 10, man. Was like, there was yeah. 27 in, under his crawl space. And there was uh, another one in this backyard. And then he re- got rid of some in the, the river. So it's like, holy crap. Like, you know, like it, I've seen so much. And I just kind of like sometimes I get them mixed up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Apparently. So. So apparently he he graduated from WSU, which is Wichita State University. Which yeah, we what are the what are the chances, right? You know, <laughs> Brian <laughs> Kopiger attends another university, same so, initials, right? Right. Um, he worked at ADT, and while he was uh, at WSU, he studied criminal justice. So this was a guy that had a similar, I guess, you know, college path, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, similar path. You know criminal justice, law enforcement, you know, things like that. He became a a compliance officer at Park City, Kansas. And so, um, you know, and he had more experience. He had uh, committed crime. His spree was, to our knowledge, co-workers only done this once. Um, You know, BTK did it a few times. And so this guy who had knowledge in criminal justice had committed a crime like this before and gotten away with it uh, to that point. And he left an item that, you know, I would suspect that somebody would leave a holster behind before they would leave the actual weapon. Right. Yeah. And in Koberger's case, that's kind of what he did. He left the holster for the knife behind, not yeah. the knife. So just kind of tells you guys that people can make mistakes, you know, and I think a lot were, uh, he comes in with, uh, you know, would it change your mind if we find out through the medical examiner's report that Xander Ethan's time of, of, death, of passing is estimated to have been between 2 and 3 a.m.? Well, I know that I know what the time of the, the TO, the time of the passing is for that's on the death certificate for Kaylee because uh, her mom told me, and it's not between that time, and so. Um, if the medical examiner came in with a different time for those victims, no, that wouldn't make any sense. Um, would it change my mind if we found that out? (laughs) I think there'd be a lot of, uh, I don't think that's happened. I don't think it's logical based on the information that I already know. Um, Oh, you got it. Yeah, what's well, the obsession? Says she has seen some of the footage from eleven twelve, and you can clearly see a wild entry. I mean, maybe I don't know. I mean, she must have been talking to somebody from that area. It's possible, I guess. You know, she does talk to two, um, you know, two guys that are from the Sigma Chi fraternity. Maybe they know the persons that live at that house, and they have access to that footage. That's quite possible. It's quite possible. I'm not sure though. Um, let's see. Do you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Am I frozen because it's frozen on my side, man? Uh, no, man, you're good. I see you. Okay. I hardwired my shit too, so that way 
you know, I've been working on Wi-Fi this entire time, but now I finally went and got one of those like 60, 60 foot cables. And so I'm, I'm hardwired in now. Okay. There you go. Oh, it was, it was frozen for a bit. I was like, what the hell? That is weird. That is weird. Uh, Shirley Arnold says driver <clears throat> serves. Oh, we already wrote this one, right? Uh, serves the college students in Moscow. Various people. Yeah. Too. Yeah. 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 You're way up there, man. <laughs> Oh shit! I just hit new comments and I, I skipped everything in between. Let me screw back up. <laughs> Publicly Buzz is in here. Um, what's up? If you are, I saw their name in here. Um, yeah, it's uh, yeah. Like, like I said, man. Like if if I feel like if Cobra wasn't arrested and it is, if it is actually him for sure, for sure. I feel like mm-hmm. it was. It, this wasn't going to be his only, his only crime. So you, you think know? he's done it before? No, I think he would have done it more. I don't oh, think you think that it would have done it more? Yeah, I mean, consider we don't know his, you know, his upbringing because a lot of if you can, you know, find out all his up upbringing, uh huh, you can you can you can tell a lot more. You know what I mean? Uh, because every every SK has a upbringing that has red flags, you know. Right. I mean, oh, I got it. There you go. Uh, so, well, well, thank you, Gail, for your five dollars super chat. We appreciate it. Thank, thank you. So, so, I don't think we've heard anything about his upbringing that sounds pretty bad. In fact, I think it sounds, by all accounts, he's got good parents. They've stayed, you know. He's got sisters that are successful. Mm-hmm. You know, Bundy had <laughs> good parents. Oh, did he? <laughs> uh, thank you, Linda, for your thank two dollars super chat. So, is that know, a this, Nah, that's a that's a Corolla. <laughs> okay, I couldn't tell. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'm looking it better, for. It better be a Corolla. Right. Right. Um. No. Yeah. Um. I mean. Uh, well, anybody else have? And there's so many questions I can't. Yeah, pull oh, them up. Pull them up. Yeah. I'm looking for some. Go ahead. This one. I was going to ask you about that, you know, because a lot of, you know, college students were, have uh, Apple Watches, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, doesn't that take it? It has that. I mean, I don't know anything Apple because I'm not right. cool like that. Not, not, at least not yet. <laughs> uh, but to my yeah, knowledge, like, it's like. It has uh, it could take your heart rate and all that stuff too, just like a, a Fitbit, right? Yeah, it has all those it has apps and stuff you can download and use all that stuff, right? Yeah, because yeah, on another case, I was I can't remember, it was years ago, man. I saw this case where they they totally had um, they, this girl got you know on the live or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and um, and they were trying to figure out what time and whatever, and they used the Fitbit to to learn what around what time that the crime was committed when there were the because I guess it takes your heart rate and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like that told them around what time and the you know I guess what how many like footsteps I guess it, it takes it like marks that yeah. too. So it. it it gave him like kind of an idea where she went and how, uh, what time it was uh, her death occurred. 
But I don't know if that the Apple Watch does. I mean, I'm pretty sure it does a lot more. You know what I mean? As like tracking yeah. GPS and all that stuff. Yeah, an Apple Watch yeah. does a lot of stuff. I didn't. I didn't ask her that. That would have been a great question to ask her. I'll, I'll reach out and see if I can get that mm-hmm. from her. But um, no, I didn't. I didn't know that if she had one on or not. That, uh, but if she does, I think that would be um, pretty good information to determine whether or not um, you know something happened. But you know, a lot of people take those off at night to go to sleep to charge. You know what I'm saying? I, I take. I don't have an Apple Watch either. I have. Uh, I don't. I don't use Apple. I, I got tired of it. I hate Apple. <laughs> and so oh, I, I forgot I, to I, tell you they're going to sponsor us now. I love them. <laughs> Angel D comes in with a five dollar super chat. I'm hoping DD will testify. They handed the order to someone, maybe X proof of life at 405. More likely, uh, they left on doormat, doormat, and text and left, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a good possibility of either one of those. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a good chance. There's a good chance. It's good. Good question. Man, I'm trying to figure out. And you know, if you guys can let me know in the live chat, where was the um there was a motion, I think it was a uh, a state's response to something where they talked about the um man, what was it? The uh the genetic tree and how the FBI oh man, the FBI basically gets it. Yeah, yeah, how they the how procedure yeah, the, their procedure wasn't until only if there isn't a lead. And I, I can't remember which one it was because I, I think that's super important to bring up. Um, I don't know. I'll have to find it later. Uh, Kenny Q says uh, with a $5 super chat, Tara Blue in chat is asking if you've debunked Kara, the British girl who claims ENX were unalived at Linda Lane. Um, that's the first time I've heard of that, to be honest with you. Uh, but I don't think that there is any truth to any of that. I'm fairly positive. I mean, one, like, what's the claim there that it, it happened at one o'clock, one thirty, right? Mm-hmm. And then it would have had to have happened before one fifty-six when Kaylee and Maddie get home, and one forty-five before Dylan and Bethany get home. And what are we to believe that um, that he stayed there while Kaylee were to be making phone calls upstairs and text messages and stuff like that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, WTO just said, who's WTO? BF saw BK2 from her window. Uh, I don't know who that, I don't know what WTO is. Somebody... Let us know. Interesting. But, you know, if, if Bethany saw BK out her window, you know, what, what is what, that doesn't change anything that it's not covert. You know what I mean? Like, does it bring up a question as to why the victims, you know, the surviving victims or roommates didn't didn't respond? Of course it does. Oh, what's the obsession? Oh, what's the obsession? <laughs> Okay, that makes yeah. sense. I mean, we only know the. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, man, is that the the world order or something? <laughs> the new world. NW. Yeah, I was like, I'm confused. Uh, man. Hey, I'm dyslexic. You can't throw initials at me. <laughs> I, 
I read the wrong stuff. I'm all the the who. <laughs> uh, let's see. But you know, I don't know. I mean, if Bethany did, you know, there's that rumor that somebody said that they Bethany supposedly saw somebody running naked outside of the house. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think that's true at all. It'd be crazy to do some of that. There's someone streaking around that time. Yeah. Let's see. Um, 85% guilty. If he is guilty and case is closed due to all his overwhelming evidence, why don't y'all discuss finer details of his personality and what made him do it and how? Uh, I believe we have, Dinky. Um, You know, one of the reasons why we talked about, you know, about his personality and what made him do it, We've discussed that at great detail multiple times. It, it's, you know, in my opinion, when you look at what was going on in his life, I think it's pretty important. Um, you know, his story is important as far as the why, right? Mm-hmm. He, he overcame adversity multiple times, you know, whether it was with his weight, you know, losing weight or, or his drug addiction or abuse and, and then overcoming that. And then, you know, being a PhD student and then, you know, being one of only two persons to be um, recommended for the Ph.D. program from his professor at at DeSales University. And, you know, the first time that he goes out and lives on his own, from my understanding, you know, maybe he did before. I don't know. But from what I understand is he had. And this is the first time that he lived on his own, even while he was attending DeSales. I think majority of it was online. And so because it was during the C19 time. And, um, you know, he moves to a small rural area, you know, look at the probable cause affidavit. And he states that, um, you know, when he, they, he applied for the Pullman Police Department internship yeah, and he said he wanted to assist rural law enforcement with, you know, cloud forensics and data and all this other stuff. And I saw that as a dig. And he was saying, I'm going to teach you backwood rural, you know, cops, how to be up to date and modern with technological investigations. Now, according to the probable cause affidavit, that states that, you know, he had applied in the fall, right? We know from emails that he also applied in the spring. That leads me to believe that he didn't, he didn't even get, you know, the position since the springtime. And he was aware that he, he didn't get it. And that was something that was mandatory for his his schooling was that he had to complete, you know, as a Ph.D. student in that program, he had to be a intern police officer. All right. Yeah. And, you know, he gets there. He's on his own for the first time. His T.A. job's going to pieces. You know, his students are, are apparently reporting him for every little thing. He's getting in fights with his professor. You know. Yeah, I can see him, you know, taking revenge on the area, law enforcement of the area and, and, you know, towards the universities in general, because it seems like to him, you know, he was supposedly the smartest guy in the room, knew everything. Uh, And these were the, uh, you know, it was the university. It was the students that were knocking him out. It was the law enforcement who didn't, you know, want to use his help. Go out there, commit the perfect crime, so to speak. You make, uh, you know, you target f- multiple people. Young, you know, blonde, 
um, Caucasian females that are probably going to hit the storyline. You know what I'm saying? And try to make the area look as bad as possible by them not being able to, you know, solve this case. You know, had he not left the sheath behind, in my opinion, this case wouldn't have been solved right now. And everybody would have been looking at the law enforcement in that area because they were. Everybody was up until the point that Koberger was arrested. Everybody was starting to look at law enforcement in that area and turn on them. You know, they're too. They don't know what they're doing. They need help. The whole nine yards. Everybody was talking about it. Right. And so. You know, you choose multiple people. You know, you choose these folks because they're attractive and and they would um, they would gain notoriety. It'd be a huge case and it would be an embarrassment to law enforcement in that area if they couldn't solve it. All right. And I think that, for instance, Koberger turning on his phone and turning off his phone that night around 10 miles away from the house, like a 10 mile radius. I think that's important. Like, I think it's more of like, you know, I knew exactly how to get away with this. I had my phone. I had my phone with me and I turned it off at the exact right time and turned it on at the exact right time to get away with this crime. And had he not left the sheath behind, I think he would have. I think he would have. I, I think if he wanted to get away with this sort of crime, I don't think he would have used a knife that's way too, too, too close, like Personal, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he would have used a, you know, a pistol or something. Um, but a pistol is loud, man. Don't you think that? But it's, I mean, it's loud. But I mean, you can just get out of there real quick, man. Do you know, he'd probably get in half the time that it took him to do this crime. But the kiss pistol would have been a lot faster than that. Right, but I mean, there's also more evidence that are left behind. For instance, the the round being, you know, the, the mm-hmm. spent round being evacuated from the weapon, um, the bullet I mean, lodged into unless the you use a revolver. True. I mean, you could use a revolver in those situations. Hope mm-hmm. that it only takes one one round to. I mean, if they were sleeping in bed, I'm pretty sure you can you would know where to shoot. Yeah. Well, I mean, based on the the injuries and stuff, the person that committed this crime had a lot of like anger and stuff. You know, I think that the reason why he used the knife, in my opinion, isn't so much something about like speed or stealth as much as maybe perhaps that Reddit survey that he had. Maybe he talked to somebody who used the knife mm-hmm. and maybe somebody who used the knife gave him some sort of insight like, you know, because he was asking specific questions, right? Like, well, how did you feel this, that, and a third, right? You know, what if somebody told him that he felt a sense of power or something when yeah. he committed a crime, and and he wanted to feel that? I I, I just think I don't really think it was towards law enforcement, uh, enforcement, you know, because of the whole internship thing. I I, I personally I don't, you know. Right, um, right. I, I just, for me, it's more, you know. For me, it's more since I mean I watch I've seen a lot of you know serial killer stuff, right? So mm-hmm. like, for me, it's more like that. It's like how you said about the survey about you know how totally how it would totally I read totally and I said totally. 
how how it will make him feel, what what, what feelings, what kind of um, satisfaction out of it. You know what I mean? Because it can either be because a lot of these SKs get sexual gratification from it. You know, right? Mm-hmm. So it could have even been that. I I feel like it was more towards that than it is uh, a dig at at law enforcement from from that certain area. So if that were the case, why do you think he chose these victims? Like, do you think they did something to him? No. Reject them? No. no I, I, I think, I think he saw them and he just got infatuated with these one of the victims, and mm-hmm. and scoped out the place just like BTK and uh, every other, almost every other, uh, no, serial killer. They find mm-hmm. people, then they don't even have to know them. They just see them mm-hmm. out of the streets. BTK will go around. He will drive around. And he'll go. Oh, I saw a woman there, and he he pinpoints, and then he starts, you know, stalking them, checking how their routine is, and then he starts planning on the on the crime. So, itself. so you think that the motive is solely just to commit the crime? Maybe he has, like I said, like we don't know how his upbringing was. Right, right. No, I understand. You that. know, if his upbringing was, you know. That he had these thoughts since he was a kid about so and so, you know, doing these kind of things, mm-hmm. uh, animal cruelty, all this other stuff, even head injuries, you know, could yeah, could do that. If he had those thoughts, then it's possible he just had these urges that that he could not contain anymore and let it out. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. You know, I think that there there's going to be a point. Especially in trial, where they're going to point at the Reddit survey that he had, mm-hmm. and I think that he was perhaps maybe satisfying the urge to you know, commit a crime like this by vicariously living through these individuals, or maybe perhaps that's where he got the you know preverbal itch to, to commit this crime. And so, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, Abracadabra comes on with a two dollar super chat. That long plane ride, PA to Idaho, was anything said? You know, if he was smart, probably not. You know what I'm saying? And, and and I think he is. You know, I think he, if Koberger committed this crime, right, he was aware of how he was going to be investigated. You know, there was a lot of people that were saying, oh, he was, you know, calling into YouTube shows, which ended up being fake. Or uh, he was inside looking or Papa Rogers, which also ended up being either trolls or people that weren't involved in the case or weren't mm-hmm. him at all. Right. And. Um, you know, I always took that as a modern way of inserting yourself into the case, right? By going on to social media platforms and talk about, um, talk about the, uh, the case in general and try to maybe throw people off one way or another. Right. And, you know, when the probable cause affidavit stated that he only went back to the house one time and that was before the bodies were discovered. Um, led me to believe that, you know, if this guy did commit it, that he was really trying to not trip over any red flags, that it was him. Right. And, you know, if that ends up being the case, that means that, you know, he would have had to have had a lot of discipline not to have driven by, not to have researched the case, not to have inserted himself into the case or things of that nature, because it's in almost every situation that we know of, you know, a, a person either visits a 
a ceremony alive, a memorial, the crime scene. You know, a lot of those things are, are done. Trophies are taken, things like that. Apparently, there's nothing been found. So this guy was extremely disciplined when it came to those things, in my opinion. Or does that show that he was innocent? What do you think? Um, I think it will just, like I said, man, like it's it's hard to tell at this point from not knowing, you know, the his past or his big his childhood thing, you know, yeah. or his upbringing. It's just hard. It's just real hard. I just think at this point, from what we heard. All I know is like I'm at seventy five percent sure that this guy this is the right guy. That's what I I feel. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, so I'm sure so I'm sure it's not. We're not. You know, a lot of people are different, have different opinions and stuff. But for me, that's what I see. Right, right. And you, so, and, and, you know, and you don't have to be. You don't have to have a, a IQ of one hundred and forty to commit a crime like this. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, because like I said earlier, like for me, it would have been he would have left less evidence if he used a pistol than he did use a knife. That's you know what I mean, right? For me, right? That's what I would think that you would leave less uh, less evidence. So for him to use a a a, a knife, it's uh, it's pretty uh, I guess ballsy you could say. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It- I think there's just more power and control into that. You know, it's more physical. It's more personal using yeah. a knife. And that's what I'm saying. Like, if he use a, if he, like, you know, he used a knife or whatever, I think he got some sort of, like, gratification out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, because instead of using a, a a pistol where he didn't get no, what he wanted, you know, the uh, fantasy that he was trying to accomplish. You know, I could, from, from, from what we know, he, you know, you had this uh, fantasy since he was a kid. Could be. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's quite possible that he may have, um, you know, he did do kickboxing. Do you think maybe perhaps he suffered a head injury that could have turned something this way? You know, I know that, you know, with the visual snow stuff, right? Let's go back into that real quick. Um, do, you, do you think that's something that he still suffers with today? I'm sure he does. If if it's legit that he does, then I'm pretty sure. Uh, I don't know if it progresses through, through time. You know, I, I'm not really sure how that how that is, but mm-hmm. I'm sure it doesn't go away just by itself. You know, right? The I fact that he, the, right? The fact that he's still maintaining his diet, and the reason why he had the vegan diet wasn't necessarily because you know he didn't want to harm harm animals or any of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was because according to his um, yeah his the forums that he was a part of it helped the side effects of the visual snow and mm-hmm. and the side effects of some of the medication that he was taking referencing that it made him feel you know have these weird feelings of like emptiness and things of that nature right and you know my thing is maybe perhaps as he got older the diet alone wasn't enough to suppress the side effects anymore you get what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. he built a somewhat of a, a tolerance, so to yeah. speak. And um, I think that's quite possible. I mean, we, you know, and I think maybe that could play a, a role into this case for sure. Mm-hmm. 
Let's see. Somebody said $2 super chat. How do we know? Uh, he was not Papa because Papa just um, reactivated his account. So unless Coburg activated his account from prison or from jail, I don't think so. But it was activated for like a day or two or something, and then it deactivated. I also had seen a post after the Coburg arrest from Papa Rogers, um, you know, like maybe three or four days after his arrest. And then all of a sudden, the, the profile disappeared. Let's see. And we'll probably take maybe a handful more calls, uh, calls, calls, questions, and then we'll <laughs> call it a call it a show. Doc Doc goes, "How do you think the jury pool will lean in this small rural area? I think it's has to be considered." Well, I think oh. that they're going to be bringing in, you know, a jury from out of the area, but they're going to be having the trial in Moscow. Um, you I know, I thought it would have been the other way around, right? You think that they would have brought people from Moscow to a different area? I, I think they would have changed venues. Yeah, I would have assumed that the trading of the changing of venues would have been done, especially also the fact that you have, uh, you know, Koberger's defense team isn't from Moscow. You know what I mean? Like uh, Ann Taylor isn't from that area. So, like, for instance, in the Richard Allen case, where I think one of the um, issues is that it would be difficult for his attorneys to travel certain areas or whatever. And that's why they want him in a certain, you know, prison or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that's not the case here. You know, he Coburger doesn't have family there. His family are in Pennsylvania and his attorney isn't really from that area. So, you know, my opinion, I would have wanted to change opinion. I would have been harping for one if I was Coburger. What do you think? Uh, I just I'm just surprised. Like I said, I'm just surprised they didn't change the venue, honestly, because um, the small towns like that tend to you know, especially it's so small. I mean, how much was the the population there? It was like twenty six thousand, but like twenty three are students. Yeah, so like you know, to make it a fair trial, I guess because most of those people are gonna be, you know, they want justice, you know, so they're gonna look yeah. one direction. But uh, for me, it would have been like, oh, I would have requested a, a change of venue. 100 percent dinky 1974 says so you're saying they have nothing without the sheath you said that was his mistake right yeah what i'm saying is that's the mistake that pointed in his direction like for instance they had his name and they had his car they had his phone number you know they had all those things as of november 29th and yet they weren't able to put those things together to point at brian Koberger. now once they got his name from the genetic tree that the fbi profile pulled up on December 19th is when they started to go at Coburger. Now they were able to pull his, because they had his name, they were then able to build a case against him. A, a very strong circumstantial case in my opinion, but very strong case indeed. You know, going for um, looking at his historical cell phone ping data and then following him and, um, you know, pulling a trash, getting a connection to his dad and then eventually getting a swap to himself. But all of that started with that genetic tree that was done on the sheath. That was the starting point of that investigation. You know, I mean, if if, if Big Blue is some sort of like drug kingpin and, and Jaime, Jaime tells me, right, Jaime tells <laughs> me about it and doesn't want to talk about it. Right. And I'm a police officer or whatever. Like, 
you know, I go and build a case. I go and follow um, Big Blue and get, build up all this evidence, you know, see him selling, whatever, right? You know, a lot of people are going to say, it's like, well, well, you know, Jaime didn't tell you anything. You know, true, Jaime didn't say anything. I wouldn't have ever have known. But that doesn't mean that that's the only thing that holds that case together. Mm-hmm. That's probably the smallest part of or the weakest part of the evidence is just your statement. It would be what the officer noticed and reported, what was found in the search warrants and what was um, conducted during those search warrants is what's going to have more value and weight uh, over a testimony over somebody. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, Catherine Page comes in with a 1999 super chat. Do you think it's possible he had used drugs before he did this crime? What do you think, Hannah? Mm, I don't think so, man. I don't think so, but I mean, I mean, he was a user, but I don't know if, if he was still a user at this point. You know what I mean? I, I know they mentioned that he was a user back in his earlier uh, school mm-hmm. days, right? Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I, did, I don't know if you know about this, but I don't know if he was still using at this point. I don't know if anybody's come forward saying that he was, yeah. but given like what perhaps may have needed to be, you know, perhaps what have been done that night. I mean, I wouldn't pull out, you know, put it past, you know, the possibility that he was on something like PCP or, you know, something that was, you know, an upper just had him going like crazy, you know, so it's possible, but it's possible. You know, I mean, I don't think I don't, I don't, I mean, you don't have to be on drugs to do kind of crime. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's true. I mean, you don't have I mean, plenty of crimes that, you know, that people may do, and it's there are a lot more people involved, and they're never on drugs. They're sober. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Let's see. I had another one, but I, I lost it. I don't know. Why. Well, it's not that I lost it. I just, my, my screen's frozen. I can't move anything. <laughs> well, lagging, we'll, be man. Calling it, we'll be calling it oh, a show here on the next one. There it two. is. There it is. Thank you, Mountain Mama, for your five-month membership. We appreciate that. Do yeah. you think the trial will happen in October? We'll start off with you. Near blue. Ah. Yeah. No, what's it called? Um, you know, the way things are going, man, um, I really don't think it's going to happen on October. I think it's going to be pushed back. Yeah, I do, too. I do, too. I, I don't think it I, is. I'm not sure how long, but I, I feel like it's going to be pushed back. I agree. I agree. I mean, right now there's so many motions putting it in stay and things of that nature. I mm-hmm. also agree. Uh, Alicia Wilson says, why wasn't the sheath covered in blood being under Maddie? I'm going to say that there's a good possibility that it was, mm-hmm. you know, the probable cause or not the probable cause, but and I got to go find it. The statements from the state and uh, this one was a statement from the defense. It stated that the DNA was found the inside of a button of a sheet that was they claim placed underneath the body, uh, buttoned down uh, um, underneath Madison's body. So that would mean that there's a good chance that on the top of that sheath uh, that it's soaked in blood. And it sounds like the only part of that sheath that may not have been covered in blood was the inside of that button sheath of that button, which leads me to believe that there is a possibility that if it not have been for where that sheath was at, uh, there would have been more DNA of Brian Koberger's on that knife sheath all around it. Because I I don't think he had any anticipation on leaving it behind. 
though. You get, you get what I'm saying? And so, um, you know, people are saying, oh, it's just that one small spot. Well, that could be the only spot that they could have gathered DNA from. You get what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Thank you, Elizabeth, for your uh, your membership. We appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. We'll do two more. We'll do two more. Let's uh, see. You pick one. I pick one. Let's do it. Let's do it. You can go first. Oh, dude, I was hoping you did. <laughs> um, all right, we'll go through them. Let's see. Mm. You see anything yet? Uh, I'll let you know when my computer <laughs> starts <laughs> working again. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll answer this one. That does that doesn't really make sense, Daniel. But thanks. What you're saying is they could get him without all that other stuff eventually without the sheet. No, what I'm saying is that the sheath pointed in the direction of Coburger and that they built the case after that. You know, like when we go back to the scenario, right? Where hey, before, Big Blue, before the oh, DNA, it would have been circumstantial, right? Well, I don't think they had any idea that it was him before the DNA, to be honest with you. Mm. I think they ruled him out. And, you know, the New York Times article and the Howard Bloom article kind of point in that direction. That because, you know, initially what they did was they looked at all the phones that pinged to the uh, tower that was closest to the King Road residence um, between the hours of three and five of a half a mile radius. And he has phone off during that time. And when it was on, it was well over half a mile away. They were also looking for a 2013-2011 Elantra and he had a 15, as the New York Times article said. Mm -hmm. So it appears from that article that they put him on the back burner. It wasn't until they got that genetic, you know, tree deal there that they went back and looked at him and actually dove dove deep into him. They started looking at his background and things like that. And so what I'm saying is, like, going back to the scenario with Big Blue's his drug thing, if um, tells me, oh, is it muffled again? There you go. There you go. I don't know what it is because I've changed my cords and I hardwired in, so I don't. I don't know. Maybe it's my. Could be my cords. My microphone wire. Um, you know, if if Blue were to, or if Hyman were to tell me, hey, Big Blue is a drug pin, you know, without Hyman telling me that, I would have never have known. Now, just because Hyman told me that, that's not enough to go and arrest this guy. I got to build a case against him. You know, I got to go and look at Blue. I, I'm gonna, I would surveil his house, you know, and if he was, you know, selling dope out of his home, there's going to be a possibility that you're going to see cars passing through at all hours of the night. For a short period of time, um, you're going to see a lot of traffic. You'll see uh, perhaps, you know, purchases on his end using cash as his main er, um, means of uh, a purchase and things like that. And then what you're going to do is you're going to start knocking down some of those cars that are going throughout there at the night. Right. You're going to find reason to pull them over, run a stop sign, don't use, you know, a, a signal light for 100 feet or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And. You know, if they just purchase something, more than likely, especially if they've never been in trouble with the law, uh, they're going to be nervous. You're going to get one or two people that are going to be nervous. They're going to be scared, and you're going to find you're going to find what they're hiding. And in like ninety percent of cases, and those people will tell you where they got their shit from. Yeah. And nobody, nobody. Uh, it, it just is what it is. And so now you have some actual evidence against Big Blue on one situation that's not intent to distribute that's just one time you sold somebody so then you have to knock down a few of these cars right 
and a few different customers of Blue, and then you start building this case, right? Mm-hmm. Then, then you get a warrant for his house to go in there and pull up any of the drugs, uh, you know, that are in his house. You go in there and you find all these baggies and stuff like that. So there is your probable cause and your your evidence for intent to distribute, right? All of this was built up over time, and this was a case being built based on one person's finger pointing in that direction. It doesn't mean that that part of the evidence that you have, well, I'll ask you, Jaime, do you think that based on all of the evidence that they had, the stopping, the arrest of the people that were going out, their testimony against Big Blue, what you found in search warrant of his house, do you think that that holds less or more weight than the initial witness testimony saying that there's something happening there? Yeah, man, I was, I wouldn't even look at the witness at that point. Right. You have all the other evidence. It's yeah. stronger and it's more important. So in this case, yeah, without the sheet, they wouldn't have found them. But that's not the only thing that's holding them. They built a pretty strong case against them. Yeah. I mean, the more this uh, this case opens up and the more we find out, the more I remember you asked me a long time ago, I was like, what do you think it's more is, you know, it's more similar to what SK is super clear, right? You yeah. know, the more the more you do it, it, it feels like it's more with uh, BTK than any other super clear that I that I've read about. You know, I mean, yeah. even, even the way uh, the way the DNA was used. I mean, they did. Uh, Cobra went from the touch DNA, right? Yeah. And then they uh, got, what was the DNA from? What was it from? For the, like somewhere, something from the trash, right? Yeah. To get to his, his, dad. To his dad and then get his to, you know, for a match, right? Yeah. And BTK was, they got DNA from one of the crimes committed way back in the early, like, the early, like mid 70s, I want to say, early mm-hmm. 70s. And then they, uh, it went out when like it was 30 years after that the, he came back and told him that uh, he was still there, he was still alive, he's you know. And mm-hmm. he sent in uh, a floppy disk, and they then ended up checking the floppy disk, and it said that it, it was his name, it had his name, his first name. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, where it came from, so which was uh, a Christian church, right? Right. And but just with that, it wasn't enough evidence to arrest them. So what they had to do was they had to go and get a warrant to get uh, DNA from the daughter when she like from a pap smear, mm-hmm. and that DNA was connected to the DNA for the seventies, which meant that that DNA was from the person who committed those crimes. So they ended up finding out there was, you know, Dennis Raider, which was hmm. PTK. Yeah. So it kind of, it kind of like seems like the same thing. You know what I mean? Right. You know, in a way, especially because BTK was, like you said, it wasn't a, he was a sp- suspect in the beginning. He was one of the people that they had suspected, but they never have, they interviewed him and they didn't think nothing of it. You know what I mean? Really? They I didn't know him, that. They just had him, you know, they, they interviewed them and everything, but they didn't, they didn't, they weren't, you know, there was no su- suspicion putting them in with those crimes. 
Yeah. So yeah. like if if you they would have given him like a DNA. Well, I mean, I guess in the seventies you couldn't, right? But I mean that wasn't uh, DNA I mean, was the, the technology wasn't there yet. Yeah, and you know even if it wasn't you know it was probably in his infancy. And it wasn't like common knowledge and people didn't really know about how they could get caught using it. You know what I'm saying? And so, <clears throat> all right. Tim Collins comes in with the defense is asking for a summary dismissal on the basis of improper search and seizure. You know, I can see that, you know, I, I've been very open about how, uh, some of the hurdles that are going on in this case. Right. And, you know, one of them being the fact that they got the, um, the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, his phone pings based off of his experience in college and his education. It's not enough. I don't, I don't think that's enough to violate that guy's rights to get his phone pings. Yeah, I think, and they were questioning that from the beginning. It's like, what would happen if that's not enough to to you know to uh, uh, get a, a a warrant, right? Right. right. So that, even if if that wasn't enough, everything else it's. You can't use anything else. Yeah, no, 100%. 100%. So that's going to be interesting if that's the case. Mm -hmm. So Robert comes in saying, I love to see a drunk turkey stop entertaining WSU Kim. She's a fraud from Corpus Christi, Texas. That has nothing to do with the Idaho whatsoever. You know what's crazy about that, though, man? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't really agree with a lot of stuff that Kim says. I've been very vocal about that for a long time since mm -hmm. ever. But you do know that Chronicles of Olivia just interviewed her in Pullman, no, in Moscow, Idaho, along with Dave, right? In yeah. person. Also, you know, the person that's claiming that she's a fraud from Corpus Christi is the same person that faked a phone call from Brian Koberger. So I would be careful about where you get your information from, my man. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you can, and I'll, I'll be on with Melissa Jade and uh, Shay on Monday. I, you know, I'll explain to them how I know who Kim is and we'll ask them, you know, based on the information that I have, if they think that Kim is who she says she is. Right. Yeah. Now, whether her information is right or wrong or any of those <clears throat> things, I don't know. You know, we've been pretty vocal and, and I'll, I'll bring it up one more time, you know, for for Robert in the back, who apparently hasn't seen this. But, and this is from our last conversation with Kim. From the few conversations we've had with Kim, what she told us was that she got an alert to stay in shelter while in Pullman around 5 p.m. She called her daughter, who says she was aware of it and had been since the morning. Later, as info comes out, she finds out that the 911 call came in at noon. She questioned her daughter about that time, and that's when her daughter said maybe 10.30. We've never stated... What she is saying is accurate, just that she is who she says she is, and this is what she's heard. I do want to emphasize heard, and that the info, although it comes from the area, does not come from anyone directly involved. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that I screenshot this, because this is when this um, came out, and that, that has been what we've said. Now, there's been a lot of people who, you know, confuse things or don't listen to the entire podcast or can't comprehend, you know, differences between, you know, somebody being who they say they are and the information being accurate or not. And, um, 
you know, there's some people that confuse when we say that this person has been vetted as far as they are who they say they are, that everything that they say is either 100% true because they are who they say they are. And if one part of the information comes out to be inaccurate, then they aren't who they say they are. Those two things don't make sense. Right now, when you have creators asking Kim, what have you heard? What do you think? And what are the rumors around town? And then get mad when she answers those questions with what she's heard, the rumors and what she thinks. I mean, who are you really blaming? I mean, blaming the person answering the question being asked, or should you be blaming the person answering the asking the question? Right? No, yeah, exactly. Because she's gonna say what she's heard, you know, through mm -hmm. the grapevine, and not firsthand. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like to her, it could be the truth because that's what she's heard. She's hearing. Right. I mean, even even Enan Har said that he had heard some of the similar things around the area. And even Christy Gonzalez told us that one of the initial rumors was that the victims overdosed. So why are we surprised that Kim, who is a mom who has two kids that live in the area, that attend the school in the area, are also hearing some of the same rumors that are going around? Doesn't doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, but like I said, I don't I don't know. I don't think that the information that she's saying is accurate. Um, it doesn't come directly from the source and, you know, it just comes from people in the area. But that's all I got to say on her. I want to appreciate everybody for coming on tonight and for hanging out with us. We appreciate y'all. Y'all have a good night. Peace.